0: Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Welcome class, you may be seated. Today's class, Pathfinder 206, how to reward your players. I like loot. Do you like loot, Christian? (laughs) I love loot. (laughs) Loot is like the best thing ever. I mean, it's the only reason I play. Well, you know, that story and character development and leveling up.
1: Oh, right. Those other things those that, other are, th- that aren't <laughs> loot. <laughs> those other things that aren't loot. The two
0: categories are loot and those other things <laughs> that aren't loot. That's correct.
1: Well, loot doesn't have to be a physical thing. Uh, Pathfinders, like most tabletop RPGs, is a game where your players are going to be moving through a story. And as that story progresses, and as they hit milestones, and as they beat encounters and overcome challenges, they're going to expect rewards, as they should, because that's the way stories work, and that's the way games work.
0: Right. Right. So rewards kind of into two categories generally. You got intangible rewards and tangible rewards. Why did I listen tangible first? Because I'm just different. That's why.
1: (laughs) I feel like you're judging me right now. We're going to be going through the intangible ones first because they're. We can't really get into specifics with them because it's always based on the type of campaign you're running when it comes to these kinds of rewards. With magical items and equipment, it's a bit easier to generalize and talk about that.
0: That's right. So there are story based rewards,
1: which is things that will help you progress with the plot. A lot of those story based rewards, your players hit a milestone in the story. Instead of giving them loot, or in addition to giving them loot, you give them some sort of story based rewards. Well, what falls under this. Well, one can be... A reward can be simply progressing the plot. They beat one branch of your story, and then they get a hook to a new branch of the story. They have some way of resolving past problems or finding a way to resolve the problems they're having now.
0: I almost always have that as at least one of the rewards. If I add more stuff, that's fine, but I almost always have something storyline. I always always run very story-driven games, so I make sure that when they face that enemy... It's not just, oh, he's there, let's go kill him. They have a conversation, or at least they learn a little something that helps them with the story. Oh, this lich was actually manipulating them the whole time. Oh, no. <laughs> Whatever the the reason is, I always have something about the plot in there.
1: There's a lot of ways to progress the plot, and there's some really commonly used ways that are a bit overdone. But the most common way I see is someone just happened to leave a note, a really, really detailed note, or a journal behind. Because everyone writes in journals and diaries, and... Pathfinder-type worlds. Another way is, like Caleb said, dialogue with the either the enemy they fight or even just an NPC that they find after the challenge. Now, sometimes it doesn't have to pertain to the overarching plot that the players are going through. Instead, it could be something about one of the PC's backstories. Either give them a way of finding out a mystery, solving a mystery from their backstory, or resolve something from their backstory that was not initially resolved.
0: Um, one of the campaigns I was in as a player, that was like the whole hook was we're trying to figure out, you know, this guy, of course, he lost his memory. He's trying to figure out what is his origins, and that was like the whole hook of the whole thing. Right now, I'm running a campaign where we just had a new player join us. We just did a bunch of sessions with just these three. We had a fourth player join. So it so happens to be that the very next they're going after is going to kind of tie a little bit into the new character storyline to kind of give him a reason for joining the group like he kind of joined the group and here is is gonna be the reason why he's going to continue to be with the group so what happened was he was his town was ransacked years ago and he's been in there for for generations uh just protecting the, the his fallen uh family and their graves and so the, the pieces had to go through his land and so he joined them for you know yada yada reasons and they're going off to kill some lich well it ended up it was the lich's armies that killed his town he doesn't know that but he's about to discover it and then he's just gonna it's gonna be a whole a whole thing kind of filling into his backstory, uh kind of tying into the
1: not over not only his backstory, but the overall plot. It doesn't sound like exactly what you would describe as a reward, but you know, it ties the PCs to the story and it is important to them if they do care about their backstory. Well,
0: I guess what's gonna be reward is when he's gonna figure this out. And the Lich is, like, their final boss, so he's going to be able to avenge his family.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Progressing the plot forward. Right. One of my campaigns, one of the players was a pumpkin child, which is kind of like a construct, and he didn't know who made him. And one of the pl- plot points is that we eventually fight. ended up fighting his father figure, and the reward after that was, like, he figured out what his purpose of creation was, which was... You know, it didn't benefit us really in any way, but it was really important to that player.
0: Right. Oh, there's all sorts of different players who enjoy different rewards. One guy, it could be like the backstory, that's everything to him. The other person's the plot. And then later on, you know, we'll cover some people who just want those tangible things.
1: Now, as your players overcome these challenges and start finishing up storylines, a good reward is to show them that the people they interact with in the world are reacting to the things they're doing Mm -hmm. they get adoration from the other people in the world people look up to them people talk to them people realize what they've done start getting a reputation exactly that in itself could be a reward yeah i have
0: one uh one of my players uh they slew a god so everyone began to referring to them as the untouchables and so they were like, they would laugh and they go like, we, we lost a guy doing it. I don't know if we're untouchable, but that was kind of a thing. Well, at least he wasn't. <laughs> That's right. But the, 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 it's solid. Those are the ones who are untouchable. They're still alive. Uh, but yeah, so like fame, any sort of thing like that, I agree. And you might even get somebody who wants to join you, like an NPC joining you. He's so impressed or for whatever reason in the story, you've gotten now an NPC. And there's a whole slew of rules that we're not going to cover that involve boons that you can get from NPCs.
1: Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the leadership feat where they get an NPC that follows them around, but they can get allies, an allying guild that will do stuff for them when they're out on adventures. They will progress a cause or investigate something for them or just in general be helpful to the party.
0: Right. I had, a, I don't know if, I call this a reward because they spent their reward money on it. Like they got gold for something. They hired some people to take care of their blacksmith shop and they didn't have to deal with all that mundane stuff anymore and they had the income. And they, and it was just kind of a the thing. They wanted to be blacksmiths. So they got an NPC's reward by spending their money on it. And he took care of the shop for them.
1: Yeah, another example of that could be, like, whatever story they finished up, perhaps an old guildmaster was killed by some guy. And they ended up taking out that guy that took out the old guildmaster. The new guild is now, they really like the party because they did that. And they're willing to do stuff for them, offer services and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. My party took out a uh, the leader of a slaves, slave traders guild. I don't know why they didn't want to take over that business. I don't know. What's,
1: <laughs> what's wrong with what's them? What's you just handed them, them that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I it's,
0: guess they're not into uh, trading people's lives. That was the evil campaign, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I had a bunch of lawful good guys. Maybe that wasn't the thing for them. <laughs> Rewarding your players. Know your players. Know your team. Um So, you know, one of the biggest rewards, I think, Anybody who plays uh, any sort of role-playing game, experience. That's what you're looking for. That's what you want to get. Experience points is what levels you up. You get experience for accomplishing various tasks, usually for killing monsters. Uh, You can also give experience points for overcoming certain obstacles or like there's entire sessions sometimes I've run where there's been no battling. I don't want to not give them any experience for it. I'll give them experience if they overcame certain challenges, you know, as long as there was like a state of failure if they didn't do something right. Uh, they did, they should get
1: experience. Right, and certain like diplomatic processes can reward experience. If they talk to someone and end up not fighting them because they talk to them, then you can reward them experience. Especially if it was a monster that had an experience block, you can reward them experience as if they had defeated the monster.
0: Absolutely. That's something I kind of stole from a uh, 4th edition. When I very first started playing uh, role-playing games, I played 4th edition Starter Kit. And mm-hmm. they had, I think, a skill... What do they call these things? Some sort of like skill check, a series of skill checks... I don't know what they're called, but anyway, uh, I kind of stole, it and I kind of do that sometimes. I give them if they can if they can get three uh, successful diplomacy checks before they accrue two failures, it's a pass. And they did that with the dragon, like you said. They, if they lost, they would have fought them, mm-hmm. but since they won, they got experiences if they had fought them. Um, because they, you know, you want to reward your players for doing different things. Uh for thinking outside the box but anyway so the three ways you can offer this experience is at the end of a session you know you, you in the background as a dm tally up all the experience points they would have gotten and then give it out at the end of the session or you could give it during downtime, so that they rested it in or they're traveling and you skip time for a week you know that's another time you can give them experience points i think uh you know the upside when you kind of give it towards the end of a session is you don't have to sit down and oh somebody leveled up now we got to Spend another thirty minutes level and you know get his stats all right. Uh, I like so I kind of prefer when I give experience points to give it at the end. Also, sometimes I think you kind of take you out of the action, take it you out. You need to re-immerse everybody. I don't know about you, but I have trouble sometimes uh, getting them immersed. And when, once we're in, I can maintain it. So anything that stops that, I try to avoid.
1: Right, I completely agree. And if you have to stop in the middle and be like, oh. Everyone levels up, well, then you completely break the action. Everyone's got to get really meta, mm. and they've got to break open the website, or they got to break open the books, and they got to start right. asking each other questions, and it really brings them out of the action.
0: Now, some people, they are more for that than they are for the story, and that's the kind of group that do it. You may even want to give them a media experience, which is the third kind, where as soon as you get it, you give it to them, and they can level if they want to. Some people are just super into that and that's what they want. Their reward is leveling up. They don't care about the gold, they don't care about the magic items, they don't care about the story looks, they just want to level up. So if that's what, you have a group full of that, maybe immediate experience is the kind of experience you want to give them.
1: It's really like you just finished combat with three bugbears, the bugbears were worth X amount of experience per one killed. split that, add them all together, split that amongst your guys' character sheets.
0: That's right. Um, the, I think you can have a problem if you are trying to do that immersion is if you give experience to me, they say, oh, I only need 100 more experience. And they might do something completely out of character just so they can kill somebody to get 100 experience. Like, why'd you why'd you kill that guy? <laughs> why'd you do that for? Well, I only needed 100 experience. I so could have leveled up. Son of a gun. <laughs> so that can be a danger. Um, if you can have a more relaxed campaign, though, that can be kind of a fun thing uh, for you guys to do. But something you kind of turned me on to, uh, Christian, and I want you to talk about a little bit, is completely hand-waving experience altogether.
1: Yes, I don't like experience as a construct I prefer to level up players when I feel like they're prepared, when they've gone through enough of the story, when they are used enough to their class abilities that they got this level, that they are ready for the next one. And, you know, sometimes I want to stay at a certain power level for a while. That's what that part of the story requires. Then maybe I think level six is like the perfect level for them to be for the type of atmosphere that I'm making for the game. Then I'm going to keep them at level six longer. Right. Uh, I, I've i adopted
0: this myself now. And I same thing. It's either they have they're completely understand their character now and they've used their abilities over and over again. They got it. They got a handle on it. Let's give them something new or storyline. They just killed a lich. You know what? I think they deserve to level up.
1: Exactly, and that's actually a big thing that I my players like when I do this. Like they don't expect me to say level up because they're not counting experience. But after they do something, they're like, "Oh, you leveled up!" They're like, "Oh, that was something really big. That was something really important. We really, really hit a milestone now." Right. Instead of it being a continuous thing, even if they completely avoid all the danger, like my, I gave my
0: characters bane arrows, and you could pick what they bane. It was bane dragons. Mm-hmm. They faced their first dragon. They one shot at him. Because it does, like, 100 extra damage if it fails its fortitude save. And I'm oh. like, well, I was going to level you up after you kill these dragons, but not anymore. Because this was not a challenge. <laughs> it's called Dungeons & Dragons. Apparently it should have been called Dun- Dungeons & Gerbils because they would have put up more of a fight. <laughs> Dungeons <and> & Dead Dragons. <laughs> but we'll talk about giving your players a... Uh... Too many rewards or too big of a thing a little bit later. Um, but nah. the one downside, I think, with the hand wave experience, if there is a downside, is I have experience. Is I had a new player just join, and my other characters are kind of getting used to their things that they've leveled up. But he's completely new to his character, so he isn't used to all of his different things. So I want to level them all up because they all have gotten used to their abilities, but this one guy hasn't yet. So that's a little difficult thing to come along with that.
1: Yeah, you're you're right. They all have their upsides and downsides. And if you could probably tell by listening to this that we're a bit biased to the hand wave experience one. But they all do have their benefits. You know, getting experience after every battle shows character progression it's something that you can actually see happening Mm -hmm. it's not like an arbitrary process some might view hand waving experience as like oh whatever you level up now right i mean
0: how annoyed would you be if you played skyrim and only at the end of a session did you get all your levels up right right you want the next level up so you get to the next thing because that werewolf heck it killed me one shot it but i want to be able to come back after
1: it at the end of this five hour play session So that's most of the intangible we want to talk about. Now we're going to move on to tangible rewards. Everyone's favorite. The treasure chest filled at the end of the cave with your magical items and your scrolls and your wands and things like that. Right. To start this off, when it comes to equipment, Pathfinder is a game that assumes that the players are going to be getting magical items. It doesn't lend itself to low fantasy, as in magical items in magic are not easily accessible. Mm Mm-hmm. It is more of a mid to high magic type of system if you're following the challenge rating system. Right. Like a CR6 says that this is an average uh, challenge for a party of level 6 characters that have a certain amount of magical items, have a certain gold value of magic items. If they're below that, it's probably going to be more than a CR6 right now how do you reward your players with equipment there's so much equipment you can give them anything how do i know what to give them yeah that's where i get overwhelmed myself it couldn't be a lot and it's a mistake i made when i first started dming and it's something i like to call the arms race you know most people who play these games are a lot of people i shouldn't generalize play you know computer rpgs or video games that are rpgs games like the elder scrolls and things like that where uh you know at the end of a battle you loot the bodies you get some random items you find a treasure chest at the end of the cave right so when you start playing pathfinder you know your players will go through something they'll go through a cave they'll go through a challenge and at the end they'll be like okay so where's the where's the treasure where's the goodies and the dm feels like they have to give them something because that's what we're used to so it's like okay um um i don't you don't really under you're new you don't understand how loot works, you're like, you know what, take a plus one weapon because it's just a straight upgrade to what they have. It's like, okay, cool, When everyone gets a plus one weapon or something like that. Right. And they're only level two. And then, now they got a the plus one weapon, you know, the next fight's a little bit easier, and they get through that, and they get through the next challenge are like, you know, where's all the magic stuff? And you're like, okay, um, um, here's another upgrade. Here's a plus two weapon. Cause again, <laughs> you're a new GM, you don't really understand <laughs> level, level five, they got a plus
0: six dagger, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and then when he's backstabbing people, doing 56D six
1: damage, <laughs> Why did you go out and shoot this giant? (laughs) Because the problem will become that if you give them this powerful stuff early, that you'll have to start sending stronger monsters against them. Right. And then when they kill the stronger monsters, they're like, okay, now we need better loot. And then when you give them better loot, then you're like, oh no, no, I have to level them up because everything's too easy, but then they're still too powerful.
0: And you know what? You're, 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 you're increasing the the player's strength on a kind of unbalanced way. Sure, their attack is way up there, but their HP is still bad. So if you have to face a, a creature that can you know, that has enough HP to take your hits, it may be able to one-shot you because your armor didn't increase with your weapons. Damage, I
1: mean. Exactly, and that goes against one of my philosophies that I'm going to talk about next when it comes to rewarding items. Giving people plus one, plus two items is a really binary way to increase their power. Their numbers just go up, but Pathfinder is a game about versatility. It's a reason that wizards are so coveted. They can prepare any spell at the beginning of the day and prepare themselves for any instance of challenge. Whereas a higher number is just going to make you better at what you already do. One of my philosophies in which I use when I reward players is what I call lateral and specific strength. You know, you got your fighter and he's got his weapon and he's really good at using it. And he's got his armor. And those are the two big things he does. But you don't necessarily always have to reward him with a better weapon or better armor. In fact, Pathfinder doesn't really lend itself to that. Pathfinder lends itself to slowly upgrading weapons over time and sticking with the same stuff. Instead, give him an item that gives him some sort of versatility. That's something that's lateral to his build. Give him a ghost touch weapon. You know, he might not use it immediately, but if they ever run into a ghost, he's going to be really glad he had that. That's right. Uh, something I did to one of my players was he was a ninja,
0: which means he had a key pool, so I gave him an amulet of hidden strength. And what this does is he can focus power on the amulet for a 4-1 action and regain two key points. It was, you know, it's something just for him, it's something he can use for his class ability. Um, it's not just binarily increasing his attack or anything like that. It's giving him more opportunity to use more of his skills. Uh, another person, uh, recently I had a guy who was a bard, so I gave him a, a kind of a custom magic weapon uh, because he was feeling like he wasn't doing enough damage. So I, I made his his saxophone, uh, he can use it, he can levitate without his hands, so he could use his hands for other things. And he was able to shoot a one, uh, twice-a-day uh, bolt of energy, which gives a random status effect. Again, it's not just random. You do more damage now. All, all, his bardic performance now rolls an extra dice whenever he performs something. No, it's a lateral benefit.
1: Right. If you see one of your players and they have a class ability that they're not using a lot... Give them an item that increases the power of that class ability or makes it more reliable so that they're like, hey, maybe I should, you know, look at what this does. Maybe I should use it more often.
0: Definitely. It's better than, hey, Joe Schmo, you have sneak attacks. Use them. It's better when you give them a dagger that does an extra whatever or...
1: Is more effective against certain things or something like that. Now, don't give them something that's so out there, so niche that they're never going to use it. I can't really think of an instance of that, but for instance, if you gave them a ghost touch weapon, and they never ran into anything incorporeal, then they'd be like, well, why did you give me right, this? Right. this? This is something that I'm just going to sell. This
0: short sword only works against incorporeal clockwork half aberrations. You'll get to one, I swear. Just <laughs> give it time.
1: <laughs> I want to fight one of those now. That sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> Another one of my philosophies is limited time use. You know, you give them an item, a weapon, and it's something that they can always use. But maybe you want to custom make something. Like, for instance, the Amulet of Hidden Strength you were talking about. It comes with a stipulation that it can only be used, what, two times a day? Something like that, yeah. When you give a player an item that has a limited time of use, either in totality or per day, it really changes the mindset in which they look at that item. You know, if it was just an Amulet of Hidden Strength, it's like, you know, whenever you can do this, it's like, okay, it's either I'm always going to be doing this, or... I'm really not going to be doing this because I don't really find it particularly useful.
0: It's almost like a label, hey, this is powerful.
1: Yeah, when they see that two times a day, it's like, okay, I better use this, otherwise I'm basically losing it. Mm-hmm. Limited time use always fall also falls into things like potions and scrolls. You can give them powerful spells and powerful buffs through potions and scrolls without the fear of the potion or scroll being too powerful because they can only use it once. Right. Now, something I did that combined both of these philosophies is I had a gunslinger in my campaign. The gunslinger did not use their deed called Deadeye, I believe it was, where they can hit touch AC from farther away. Right. They had a blunderbuss, which is a very short-range weapon, and they often found themselves in the fray of the fight. Now, I could have just, you know, given them a distance blunderbuss and called it a day, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to take the chance to make an item that taught them how to use Deadeye— and help them with their situation, but I also didn't want it to be too powerful. Because, you know, if they're always shooting from farther away, then it's just kind of a binary increase. So I gave them a little charm on their gun. And what it allowed them to do is use the Deadeye Deed against a specific type of enemy twice a day at a cheaper cost. Nice. That way they can attack from far away without going into the fray. It only worked against a certain type of enemy that they're really only fighting within this branch of the campaign. So I didn't have to worry about it being too powerful. That's good.
0: And I take it after that he didn't even need anymore because he started using Deadeye. Yeah, he, he's, they've been using it ever since then. Right. It's always good when you can, in uh, the game, help change behavior or make things better, as if you have a discussion with the player outside the game. Right, you can use rewards as a teaching tool. That's right. Because we're so smart. <laughs> That's why we're your professors. Alright guys, roll initiative. Does it have a weak spot, <laughs> and how many feet away is it from me? Has anything in Pathfinder had a weak spot yet? And while we're on the subject...
1: Can a dragon fit in the room we're fighting in? Well, it depends.
0: Anyone have Crisco in their equipment list? Yeah, I picked it up. Last time we were in town, I grabbed it. Oh, well, yeah, then definitely. Absolutely. Well, Kev, I have a question. On my character sheet, it says you gave me half a million gold last episode. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I got that too. I, I wrote that down. If we could not be children for like three seconds, I would like that. So pretend that you're having fun for once. <laughs> but they entertain themselves pretty darn well. I shoot it in the face. Of course, you do. Without any diplomacy, it's right in the face. You shoot it. It's a Medusa, you said? <laughs> yeah. Yet another copyright infringing, non original <laughs>
1: character. I, I'd like to roll a sense of motive on a DM, please. A GM, I'm sorry. I don't want to. Nazi DM, man. Yes, we just got do not.
0: Wow. Oh, you want to get us copyright straight? You guys have iTunes here? Obviously, you have Tolkien here, so. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien came
1: across and his elves and his dwarves. <laughs> Did you like what you just heard? A couple of guys hanging out, role-playing? That was Trailblazers, our actual play podcast. You can find it every Tuesday right here on the Trailblazer Network. Hope to see you there. That's it. Rocks fall. Everyone dies. Everyone rolling their character. (laughs) I have a feeling this is going to take a lot longer than 10 minutes.
0: Now, I'm going to give you a, a problem I've had here with my players. Whenever I gave them gold, they would just hoard it. They would never spend it on anything. I literally like said like I tried to solve it in game. I said, Okay, there's a there's an auction in town. I literally went through all of the magical items that frickin' Hero Lab, which if you know what that is, that's like all the books put together. All all the items, and I selected ones I thought were cool, put it in a list, spent a lot of time, gave it to them there's an auction in town, so they could spend their frickin' gold, and they bought like one or two things. They just like to hoard it. Uh and the only thing they ever bought with it was like potions of healing, which We say we just freaking buy a wand of healing, but it's beyond them. Uh, What do I do? What do I do here? They're hoarding their gold. How do I help them
1: spend it? Or is it maybe I don't need to help them spend it? What do I need to do? I'd say in that case, you know, if they're not really into... Re- that sounds like they weren't researching stuff on their own. If they had enough gold where they could buy something that was useful to them, either they didn't know it or they weren't searching for it. right? Or maybe they just weren't excited by the prospect at the prospect of buying stuff. Maybe they thought they needed it for something in the future. Maybe right. something campaign-related, like maybe we're going to have to buy out something. In that case, I think I'd move to straight, you know give them items. Instead of giving them gold at the end of an encounter, give them an item that is useful to them, like the Amulet of Hidden Strength. Okay. Uh, one thing, another thing you could do is you kind of spice it up just
0: a little bit uh, by when they kill the dragon and they get to his hoard that he was lying on. It's not just one million gold coins right it's gems and you know we talking about magical items but just different different valuable things that aren't just coins gems crystals necklaces pieces of art rugs i don't know anything you can i've had players that like said how good is this rug in the dungeon i'm like oh i guess <laughs> it's okay because they wanted to take that and sell it so it could be more interesting than just gold pieces uh when you're talking about just random gold value worth of rewards
1: I would warn to be careful with that because I find that if you start throwing stuff in there... I do like throwing stuff in there like that, gems and things, because it makes the world feel more real. Mm -hmm. Everything's not just set up for the characters to loot it. Like, this is a real person and he had a real item on him. You know, he didn't just have a bunch of gold. He had some gold pieces... A, a, a ring with a signia on it and he had right. a comb a nice pearl comb or something like right. that it gives the world a much something more we should feeling. all have i think right a nice exactly. pearl comb. i got two. <laughs> <laughs> look at you mr fancy pants uh
0: yeah but you, you, you do have to be careful because you might just get into okay well how much is this you know crystal worth okay i sell it for that well you might as well just give me the gold so yeah i think gold most most of the time excuse me but you can throw in Flavor stuff,
1: I think. Yeah. Right. If you start throwing in like, you know, there's two opals and there's an amethyst and there's a ruby and there's, right. well, now the player's got to write all this down. It's like, okay, I praise that one, I praise that right. one. It gets a little annoying you do, But you do
0: want to reward your players. If somebody put a lot of points in appraise, praise, you got to give them some, some exactly. cases yeah. to use it. But if you have, if you go to our player types episode, we talk about the kind of guy, I think we call him the entrepreneur. Yes. The entrepreneur. Wants, yeah. If you have an entrepreneur, then you might not want to always have rewards of that type maybe once why you want to kind of go with the gold because you know it's gonna be tempting for him right it's like putting you know a, a bottle of wine in front
1: of an Like let's not do that <laughs> but my grandpa may disagree <laughs> and when they come to stuff like the dragon's hoard you know then the problem becomes how are we gonna get this stuff over there you know i got this big old rug i got a couple genie lamps i got this big gold cabinet how am i gonna get it to sell it and that in itself can become its own problem for the players, it could become its own adventure. Of you know, is that something they're gonna be interested in though? Um I
0: uh, I remember when I had uh, my players, they killed a dragon, and what I had him do was he he was a re- he was a red dragon, mm-hmm. and he was level high up enough where his breath weapon could melt rock. So I felt uh, legitimized saying that when he died. And his blood spilled over his treasure hoard. A lot of it melted together. And they couldn't, like, take out some of, like, the magical sword that was stuck in it. Or you can't just lift up this 500-ton piece of gold that's right. now all melted together. So they were able to take off, you know, what was not melted. And they could have come back and taken even more. Uh, but it was, it was way out of the way. It was very dangerous to get to so uh they they ended up going other other things with the story, but if they wanted to do it, I was gonna say some goblins or some other sort of creatures moved into that cave while they were gone, right, and they would have doing like another fight to get you know more of the the gold back. I would't have done it every time they come back, right, but at least like <laughs> once I
1: thought it would be interesting. It's goblins this time. uh oh, this time it's bugbears. <laughs> Ooh, we got a few banshees in here <laughs> it's all oh, the a- prime real estate. <laughs> you didn't notice the egg over there. it's another
0: red dragon <laughs> oh he's aging very quickly. <laughs> um but i did read the the book has something to say uh the game master's guide uh it did talk about how uh you can almost do a whole nother questing like you know they keep they have to hire all these people to get a caravan and to get all this gold out you can have an assault on the caravan or something like that another sort of uh another opportunity to have a, a
1: hook for even the plot or just another battle Which is great if they care about that loot, because when that caravan gets attacked, they'll be like, hell no, they ain't taking my loot. I worked hard for this. God damn. My amethyst, no. I'm going to kill all these Strix. I don't even care about the repercussions.
0: And then you kill the guy, and you find a piece of paper on him, and it says— It's his journal. He's been writing in a journal. (laughs) The Strix
1: Strix has been writing in common in a journal. That's right. (laughs) But it's uh,
0: some sort of uh, note from their boss that says you can keep all the gold you want. I just want these people dead. And also now you have a plot hook. Who was trying to kill us? They didn't want our loot? Why didn't they want our loot? Are they (laughs) dumb?
1: Do they not know (laughs) it?
0: It's all we want. Matter of fact, I'm digging deeper into this cave to see if there's a whole nest of dragons who have more loot. (laughs) I'm going to make this a mine. darn right, (laughs) Dagnabbit.
1: Oh, something I want to mention when we bring up um, looting corpses is that that is another way of rewarding players. That's right are the way that players can get the rewards. They get the stuff off bodies. But you want to be careful because looting bodies can get really boring. Mm-hmm. And speaking from experience, I run Paizo Pathfinder Adventure Paths, and I'm currently running Rise of the Ruin Lords. And something that I think the book expects them to do is basically start picking up everyone's weapons and selling them. Because once you hit a certain point in the story, basically all the enemies start having plus one armor, plus one weapons, which are, you know... Costly if you sell them. And I really think that the game is expecting them to pick up every piece of item because they're not really getting a lot of loot. And it's not particularly fun doing that. My players will mostly ignore it. I'm like, you know, it's got a plus one great club. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want a plus one great club. and I'm not going to take the time. Right. We're in the middle of a mountain. I'm not going to take time. Listen, this plus
0: one great sword is great, but I've already got five. And I can only <laughs> I can only dual wield so many. I, I can only have one for
1: each finger, okay? <laughs> and they were it started reaching the point where they were starting to get a little weak compared to the enemies they were throwing at them because the book assumed that they were getting right. the cost of the items if they sold that stuff. Mm. So I had to start throwing in my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll you'll find
0: uh, that the tables in the uh will help you out if you're making a homebrew campaign, which is more of a, my kind of my deal. And uh, they'll also help you let you know if you're not doing a good job rewarding your players, because if the first plus one weapon they find is on an enemy, you're, you've done something wrong. Hey, they should have already had a plus one. Unless it's a boss, of course, but like a normal guy, you should have already given them that. So uh, it's, it's a good way to check yourself.
1: And on the topic of tables, be wary of random loot tables. Do not use them as, like, your loot bible. Just because you roll a certain thing does not mean you should give it to your characters. Uh, making up loot on your own can be time-consuming, and using a random loot table is okay. But be, like I said, be wary. Like, proofread it. Yeah, if, if they get an item that's, like, really powerful, you, you don't have to to give it to them that's right and you should definitely reconsider if it's like it just happens to roll like a potion of something that completely invalidates some situation you put them up against like they had to swim they're low level and they had to swim somewhere and they just happened to find like a potion of touch of the sea right well don't invalidate that challenge you made just re-roll right
0: uh that's a philosophy at least i have uh probably comes up a lot for me is uh we are not bound by the dice rolls. The dice rolls are here to help the help the game. If it ruins the game, ignore it. Exactly. You're constructing a story for the players, and you want them to enjoy it. Right. One of the best times my players have ever had was uh, I, I give them rewards if they hand me a backstory uh, mm-hmm. that's you know more than a sentence. And what I did uh, one time, each I kind of experiment with different things. And one time I just rolled on uh, the wondrous items table. And, uh, like, I think there's different levels for, like, lesser and greater ones. I picked some of the lesser, and I rolled on it, and they loved it. It made one of the characters who, who players, who really was never going to write a backstory, he wrote one the next session because he wanted to roll on the table. Hmm. It was just, we had a lot of fun rolling, like, what am I going to get? Oh, this is interesting. And one of the guys, he found like, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of used like, it's a sand that if you throw in water, it absorbs a ton of water, turns into a little bead. You can throw it again, and it turns water. Well, they found a guy who was, like, setting up all these bombs, and uh, they had to like make a choice to either let the bombs go off or try to disable them somehow. And like, we're how are we disable how we're going to do it. And the person just walked forward and threw a little bead, and water flooded the room. <laughs> Something you didn't even think of, but they had this reward they just used randomly. You never know what's going to come up. But that was one of the most fun things they did. So you can consider doing that the loot tables if you let your players roll. Sometimes can be fun for them.
1: Right. Did, but did everyone get like
0: relatively equal?
1: Equipment? Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, the the tables, it's not completely fresh in my mind, but there is sections, like, based on power. So, like, they're all generally the same power. You weren't gonna get a knuckle bone of fickle fortune next to, you know, the amulet of Hidden Strike.
1: (laughs) Which, by the way, that knuckle bone is super cool. Now, suppose that if you rolled on that table for one of your players, and they got an item that was really good, and the other players were kind of jealous of it, and they're like, well, mine's not not a, mine's not as good. How would you handle that? Mm. That's a good question. Thanks for uh, being a jerk and giving me a hard question.
0: Um, <laughs> what a great question. How would I handle that? I, you always want to kind of avoid saying no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah. You always want to say yes. It's kind of a, a good philosophy. Huh, what would I do? Well, you know, I think a lot of the really good items often are one-time uses. Uh, so that it might actually kind of help
1: itself out, but huh, that's a good question. Like, suppose, you know, you have a paladin on your team and his whole thing is smite evil and one of the other players rolled up a weapon that was like, you know, once a day you completely F over this evil thing and the paladin's like, hey, that's my thing. Right. I'm supposed, but he's got the item that's, and it does it better than me. Um. I
0: think there's a two. Let me address that first scenario because I just had a thought of just, just one's more powerful than the other. I might just say, well, you know, that's the roll of the die. When you level up, it's the same reason why I let you keep the eight you rolled and the other guy rolled the three. It's just the way it goes, it's chance. I might I might refer to that sometimes. But what you just said there of trying to steal the other player's thunder, that I might actually step in and say, well, would, would you mind rolling again? I think often you find the players will say, okay, if you explain it to them, like, listen, that's really his kind of deal. You know, that's something he kind of excels at. Would you mind rolling again? Well, it was,
1: was just the item. It wasn't his character specifically. It was the item he got. And the item was like, you know, F over this evil thing. Yeah. And he's like, I'm just using the item you gave me. Well, that's why I would say re-roll. Would you mind
0: re-rolling for that, that wondrous item? Oh, uh, right, yeah. Right when he gets it.
1: If I didn't catch it when he
0: gets it... Well then, yeah, we're talking about how to get rid of somebody who has uh, you've given over rewarded, which is what a great segue. Um, and you know the best way to ruin a segue is to call it out. Um, vroom vroom. <laughs> I'm on my segue. Oh, please. <laughs> um, if I've given that player something that is too powerful or, or something that like really stole the thunder away from somebody else, there's a slew of things you can do to to uh, to repair that. One is kind of. One I would avoid using too often but you can use at least once is somebody comes and steals it. Uh, well, that sucks, and you might even get a whole little quest to go try to get it back, and you might use it as a story hook. You don't have to give it back to him like the guy ended up selling it or melting it down or whatever, but you were able to progress the story, and you find other things. You, you replace that loot with something else. When you go invade his lair, that sword of smite crap is gone, <laughs> but there is something else that you wanted, the potion
1: of whatever, the amulet of crap. Or maybe by the time they do get it, the other players have since scaled up and now can match that power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing you can do
0: is, uh, what's this? A sunder attempt? (laughs) Well, guess what happens to sunder magic
1: weapons? They ain't so magical anymore. You better look up the inch of thickness of that weapon on the chart and take away (laughs) its hit points because everyone loves a good sunder. But isn't this living steel? Piss! (laughs) <laughs> uh Another thing you could do, and I think
0: this is one that I think I would employ next time if I ever accidentally give somebody uh, too good of loot, um, is I would have them have to, like, to progress, they need to sacrifice something powerful. So they sacrifice their weapon, and it gets them into the dungeon or whatever. That's, I like that. That
1: is a great way to throw a story hook into it
0: course if i know my players which i do they'll find something else they'll they'll leave it come back with like the corpse of the royal guard or
1: something and throw him on the sacrifice <laughs> thing but uh <laughs> that's an option and it makes them feel like losing the item was actually a good thing to do it was mm-hmm. actually like forward movement it wasn't like oh i lost it it was like we we lost it but it was for
0: the mm-hmm. story they don't feel embittered that you took it away from them exactly but that's why you almost never want to say, This is too powerful, I'm taking it away from you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't play with that toy. Yeah, they'll be pissed. Um, and the whole reason we're doing it, you know, we don't want them to to have a bad time. We're just taking you're having fun, we take away your great weapon. Is <laughs> it's, it's taken away from other people's fun, and you never want
1: that. That's the only reason we're doing that. You're having too much fun. In comes the Pugwampy Swarm. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Reroll everything. What's
0: that? A cave of rust monsters. <laughs> just just overflowing, out of your ears. <laughs> All of a sudden, the ranger who's complaining about her dark wood bow is a little happy right now. As she's the only one dealing damage anymore while you're doing unarmed strikes.
1: And there's a pug in the
0: corner. <laughs> Reroll. <laughs> okay, so one example of uh, when I gave a character, and this is something I think uh, you helped me out along with some other friends of ours, uh, is, is I accidentally had a, gave a player armor off of a very high CR angel so, he had this fantastic armor, and it was like, he was like the tank of tanks. I had a little like a CR 18 guy just to get past his freaking AC. Uh,
1: How did he come to get the armor? I'm just curious. Angel armor. They were
0: in the middle of a big battle between angels and demons, and afterwards, he just desecrated some corpses and took the loot off of Ooh, them. Okay. Uh, what I should have done was the angels that were around should have been pissed and stopped him, but I didn't think of that because I'm silly. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we're not perfect. You're all going to make mistakes. So here's how you saw that mistake. What I did uh, per your suggestion was, hey, this angel armor, well, you know, that's probably worn by a lawful good guy. So if you are not lawful good, you're going to get some negatives. And what I did was I didn't care about his his actual alignment. But if he did something that was evil or chaotic or just not good, if it was not good or not lawful – it uh it hurt him and the first time i rolled one d4 damage i said the armor tightens up against you he didn't know why it happened he just i think he what he did is he uh some guy gave up and he killed him so i rolled a 4 and i said you take three points of damage he's like why i'm like your armor feels very tight for some reason and next time he did something bad i stepped up the dice i rolled a d6 and i kept stepping up the dice and increasing every time he did something bad and he eventually figured out his armor uh it was because he was doing bad things in good angel armor so he ended up himself taking it off Ah, uh, so he eventually just took it, did he give it to someone else, or? I think he, instead of selling it, he just thought it was cool, and he, like, he like put on, a, like, a mannequin in his house as a display. Oh, okay. But that way, I didn't have to take it away from him. He was able to use it a little while, at least
1: enjoy his loot. Uh, it's not like he could call bullshit, because, you know... It's from an angel. Exactly. You mean I can't wear the angel armor and just go down the street beheading people? (laughs) You're such a jerk DGM. I can't believe this. He was literally like the person.
0: He was like uh, of our Player Types episode. He was probably the most antagonist of them all. So it was like the person of all the people to grab this angel armor was the antagonist.
1: The antagonist entrepreneur. That's right. (laughs) Looting all the angels. (laughs) All right, so hopefully we've helped you
0: uh, learn how to reward your players with both intangible, and intangible items and help you out if you make a mistake in rewarding them. What do we get? Where's our loot? That's right. I don't understand. <laughs> See, we're supposed to get real loot. Buy me dinner, okay? I'm doing all this stuff. You're using my house. I'm driving you here. I'm letting you use these books, which I bought. I'm just saying, can you buy me the pizza? But I'm not bitter. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, and uh, class is Dismissed. pathfinder academy is part of the trailblazer network for other great pathfinder podcasts visit our site tblazer.net want to get in touch you can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at tblazernetwork i've been nicholas laborde thanks for listening Percival, the,
1: um, spittoon,
0: uh, attendant. Excuse me, coming through. Full spittoon. I don't want to spill it on you. Oh, you got
1: a sp- full spittoon?
0: Ugh. Ah! Softly Speaking Sanskrit, we know why we role play. Why do you role play?
1: SoftlySpeakingSanskrit.com